Blog Talk Radio. Here we are, two days straight. This is Saki Kesa the Bingo. What's going on? Hope you guys are doing well out there today. It wasn't yesterday, it was two days ago. I believe we did a show dedicated to our fallen brother, Floyd Echebea. I have to thank everybody that sent me an email and took the time to listen to that show. It's been very overwhelming, the response uh, to that show. All of it positive. Um, you always expect some people want to have something to say, but all of it positive. But I really want to say thank you for that show. It's something I want to do, you know, just for myself and on just basically just for myself. I just want to say a little acknowledgement to the brother. But to get so much love from all you guys out there, and I spoke to my and he gave me a compliment. Um, he said a few words that really had me very emotional. So I want to say I love you, Dad. On this happy on this Father's Day, Dr. Dabengo Asaid, you're the greatest dad ever. Period. Folks don't like it. Too bad. You know, you know what you mean to our family. And your father's day, Dr. Inglay Wakabong was the greatest mom, period. Bar none. That's it. As uh, the crow said, uh, mom, uh, mother is the lips for God on the lips of, no, mother is the word for God on the lips of children. So dad will be the lips for God's angel. I don't know. On the lips of children. I don't know. But dad, I love you this mother's this, uh, this father's day. Uh, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there and all you dads who are fulfilling the role of being a dad and all you dads who are emotional because I've lived long enough for those that know my life to see um, four out of my five brothers become fathers themselves. Kamenapata, uh, Kabango, Congo, and Simba. Their main brother's Mumye. So, but to see my brothers and to see their children uh, up close when I went back to Boston was very emotional. You know, my life is easiest, but just to live and see that, and, you know, it's just a great thing. And I just love my family. And a shout-out to Origination, who is touring London right now, London in the U.K., Musa Mwadi, Shaumba, and the rest of Nia. Hope you all doing your thing out there, giving you a shout-out here from the West Side. So today's group, Let's get back to the flow. Oh, and my little one, Deja, Dar es Salaam, love you very much. Frida, love you very much. So, people, a little, uh, today's groove is going to be on immigration. And I got a lot of emails of people asking, are you really going to do this on immigration? Are you really going to do this on immigration? You're freaking right on immigration. I'm an immigrant. <laughs> so, there's a lot of this nonsense going back and forth in reference to the Arizona law. And, you know, as our description of the show said today, people stress about Arizona's new immigration law. People stress about immigration reform. Racial profiling taking place takes uh, some say that racial profiling takes place against Latinos only illegals in the United States. Let's talk about this subject. And what do you have to say on this subject? Is Mexico calling the kettle black in their criticism of U.S. policy? Folks, if you're hearing me live, you can chat with me in the chat room, obviously, right? Or you can give me a call at 646-595-2892. 646-595-2892. This is originally going to be a uh, 45. But I decided to go, actually, I was going to do 90 minutes. But I don't know if I could physically, uh, my throat could last that long. I could talk. But I figured I'd just keep it short and sweet. So we'll do an hour. And do our usual stuff, play a couple of interviews and broadcasts. But the reason I want to do the show is that it's just really irritating, straight to the point. I may lose some friends over this. If that's the case, they weren't really my friends anyway. For a political office. So if you want to say it's not politically correct, 
that's too bad. But there's a lot of discussion going on when it comes to illegal immigrant immigration that's really so far off into the right of uh, extremism from both sides, including the Latino camp. It's very disconcerting, and it seems to be falling into an us against them, uh, the, uh, the us being the Americans or the legal the people that are here legally versus them, the ones that are not here legally. So, again, let's play a couple of things here uh, we can talk about. I believe there was a uh, – let's see something here. Let me give you an interview here. Uh, this one's entitled Arizona Law Criticized as Racial Profiling. Let's hear what this segment has to say. That controversial immigration bill, which has set off a fiery debate in Arizona and around the land. Mike Von Frem joins us now with details. On the streets, there was anger. Riot police were called in to try to control demonstrators protesting outside the Capitol. Most were peaceful. A handful threw bottles at police and were arrested. Inside the Capitol building, Arizona Governor Jan Brewer defiantly signed the most sweeping anti-immigration law in the nation. With my unwavering signature on this legislation, Arizona strengthens its security within our borders. Arizona has the most illegal border crossings in the United States. And the new law here requires local police to stop and demand proof of citizenship from anyone suspected of being an illegal immigrant. There's a lot of people that are going to be split up by it. And for them to act like this, I think they don't care about their fellow neighbors. Today begins the end. Opponents, some coming from as far away as Los Angeles, say it's a recipe for racial profiling and leaves Hispanics afraid to report crime. President Obama blasted the bill, calling it misguided. The recent efforts in Arizona, which threatened to undermine basic notions of fairness that we cherish as Americans. The governor insists citizens have no reason to fear. I will not tolerate racial discrimination or racial profiling in Arizona. And there were a handful of people on the streets who agreed with her. But already critics are gearing up to fight the bill, calling it unconstitutional and creating a state of fear. Well, it certainly resonates of uh, a let-me-see-your-papers environment. For Good Morning America, Mike Von Frem, ABC News, Phoenix. And among those opposed to this new law on constitutional and ethical grounds is the mayor of Phoenix, a Democrat, Phil Gordon, who joins us from there. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thanks for being with us. Uh, as you know, this law is set to take effect in August. What are you prepared to do to try to stop it? Um, I asked in the city council on Tuesday to authorize the city attorney to file a lawsuit to uh, enjoin the, uh, law, the law so that it doesn't go into effect until the courts can review it. And, uh, and I'm in positive it's unconstitutional on its face. But if this is still hung up in, in, in a lawsuit in some form in August, what will you tell your, your police chief who is essentially uh, under orders to enforce this? Well, number one, the, the chief and I agree that the, we're not sure how to enforce it. If we enforce it, we get sued on civil rights violations. If we don't, then we get sued by anyone in the state, which is allowed under the law, plus penalties and legal fees. So we're hoping the courts will enjoin it to at least interpret it and, ho and hold it in abeyance. If not, we will do our best to follow the law. We still have to follow the law, even though it's unjust and it's, uh, just, it's just hateful and spiteful and is going to make the state and the city much less safe than safe. Well, Governor uh, Brewer obviously would disagree, and, and uh, the supporters of this, they'll point to the fact that uh, a rancher was murdered near the border by a suspected a smuggler just last month, and there are some 460,000 illegal immigrants in your state. So what's your fix? Well, number one, we all want a stronger border. We want the uh, federal government to do their job and secure the border. We want a revised uh, comprehensive immigration reform policy that allows legal people that are law-abiding to work here to go for a path of citizenship if they want. The problem now, the system is so broken that all we're doing is now uh, making it more lucrative for the smugglers and the, the, the people that bring drugs into our country in our community. So what's uh, your fix? Make it less safe. <coughs> Fixes to actually, number one, to get more resources on the border. I've testified in Congress, uh, support our DEA and ATF and Border Patrol 
get more resources to our department that goes after the smuggling rings nationwide as well as here. And what do you and do also, with, what do you do with all those that are already in Arizona? Well, there, there's a half a million in Arizona, 12 million throughout the U.S. That it's not realistic, especially since the vast, vast majority. I have just been here for decades even uh, to try to ship them out. Let's work on a work guest program where people register, they learn the, the language, they pay the fee, and allow them to contribute to our economy. The last thing we want now is an economic crisis. Arizona now is being threatened with boycotts. People then will, uh, that have been here fighting for this country are fearful for their loved ones. Um, you know, this is shifting the burden of proof, not just for those that aren't documented, but anyone. So what does a senior that doesn't drive do? How do they prove without a driver's license? How does a 15-year-old child, right. um, people coming for your state, uh, even Mayor Bloomberg, who's entered this and supported me, which I'm grateful for. Okay. Mayor Phil Gordon, we do appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for being Thank with you. us once again. Uh, hold on. Let's get a little something crazy. There's a little misnomer in there. The new law, and this is what people have been hooked on, and if you say a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. The new law uh, passed in Arizona, and you heard the governor also articulate at that press conference the day she had signed it that she would not tolerate racial profiling, which will um, come up in reference to Brother Sharp, Reverend Sharpton in another segment we're going to air when he talks about how later on uh, the governor decided to uh, enhance the legislation by specifically um, prohibiting racial profiling. Uh, he's incorrect. She had actually said it that day, and it just took a process of getting through the legislator to amend the legislation to insert that aspect. Uh, the problem is that the law does not say you can just walk down the street of Tulsa uh, or Scottsdale or Phoenix or Los Angeles or what have you and say, I need to see your ID. It doesn't roll like that. The law says if a person is in custody of the police after committing a crime or what have you, then they, if there's a reasonable suspicion, for example, as you brought up, no license, no English, no nothing, if there's a reasonable suspicion this person may be illegal, the police has a right to ask for proof of residency in the United States when the person is in police custody. The thinking now, and I've seen this, uh, even in the play recently that I love, there's a segment where they're implying that this is similar to Nazi Germany. And they're not saying where the Latin, you know, the Mexican or Colombian flag on the sleeve or on the, on the lapel as our Jewish brothers and sisters had to go through uh, in Nazi Germany. This is being taken out of context. And all you're hearing now are people saying, oh, they can just stop anybody on the street. Oh, no, it does not say that. Get the law and read it. It says they must be in police custody, detained after committing a crime, or what have you. There it is. That's what it is. And that's case, case closed. All right? Now, let's get on to this groove here. It seems to be this aspect of racial profiling comes up quite often in the conversation of this illegal immigration. And I might have to uh, do a part two because I think that I should have done 90 minutes, but this is going to be a little longer than necessary. So we might have to do a part two. People. Where I live in Los Angeles, California is downtown. What the problem with the pro, I think this, the aspect of profiling is very interesting being that when the civil rights movement was taking place in the United States back in the day, they reached out to everybody, Latinos, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, um, Catholic, Baptist, whatever, people of different ethnicities, different backgrounds. So you see the marches, we shall overcome, Alabama, what happened, Montgomery, what have you. You always saw different ethnic groups there. What's hurting, the, in this case, the Latin uh, battle for legal immigration, because it's not just Latino. There's a lot of Africans and Europeans and Asians and people from other cultures that are here also. But this has walking down to, as a, an article I heard, a monochromatic uh, battle. What's hurting the Latino immigration marches is that when they reach out to people, these marches, they're reaching out to other Latinos, to other Latino organizations. And if anybody wants to deny that, all I have to do is post up a video that I shot out my window of, a, of an immigration march walking by five blocks long, and I saw one black-skinned male. I don't know if he's African-American, what have you, because there are dark-skinned Latinos. That might shock to a lot of people in L.A., but back on the East Coast, there's a lot of dark-skinned Latino Spanish-speaking people. Four blocks long, and I saw one. The only other black person I saw there was a picture of Obama made to look like Hitler. So what happens is that if you have a four blocks long march of Latinos or people that look Latino, quote, unquote, 
and everyone's saying, well, what do you mean by looking Latino? Let's get on, let's get beyond this, this stupid stereotype, all right? Because I'm about to play a comment that a Latino um, um, executive made about black people, and let's see what we have to say about that. But the problem is that when you reach out to other organizations that are like your own, in this case, Latinos are reaching out to other Latinos or Hispanics or what have you, and I'm living in Wisconsin or I'm living in Nebraska or I'm living somewhere north of Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm turning on, and when I see these marches, all I'm seeing is Latinos. Then when I have the conversation with my colleagues, the conversation is going to be they're talking about illegal immigrants and they're Latinos because these people, particularly if they haven't seen, not these people reference to the racist comments here or like those people, but the folks that are watching these marches, they're only seeing what's on, and we have to stop fronting that a lot of people don't get their information from what they see on TV, good or bad, false or true. We know that. That's what's happening here, all right? Now, if you're in that, on top of that, when the marches first started taking place, you didn't see people waving the American flag. You saw the, you saw the Mexican flag, the Colombian flag, the Nicaraguan flag, the El Salvadorian flag. You saw all the other flags but American flags. Go online. Everybody has seen this. Then the activists have realized how it was counterproductive to say you the American flag. But then when the marches take place, and I'm about to play one here uh, shortly, they're more, more often they're in Spanish. So it's all, it's all Latinos. It's all in Spanish. Right there, it's, it's creating a us against them mentality. And let's not front it's true. When I was in New York with my classmates on a train, not the last week, I didn't hear once an announcement on the metro train in English and Spanish. It was straight up English. And if you're coming to the country, it forces you to learn the language if you want to. In L.A., it's a little different. You take the train, you always hear something in, Latin, in, in Spanish and English. Then you go to the machines or what have you. Oftentimes, it's bilingual. But when I talk to my friends who go to Mexico, it's not like that. When you go to France, it's not bilingual over there. They're like, learn the language or not. And this came up last year to me personally because I never liked the fact that when you have a room full of immigrants, there's only a translator for the Latino, the Spanish speakers. But what about the folks from China? There were several. What about the folks from Europe? There were, te- there were several. Are they made to feel those from the West Indies where English is in the first language? What about those folks? Whatever. Are they made to feel less than? Are they made to feel in- insignificant? I'm asking you that. I'm not saying my, my, what I'm saying is the right way, the wrong way. What I'm saying is that this is my opinion at this moment, this is my point of view, and I'm asking you that question. One of the best art discussions I have is my friend Mark in New York. We didn't agree on everything, but he made some valid points, and respectfully listened to some of my points and agreed I made some valid points. But this discuss- discussion is becoming an us versus them. Now, let's go to something on, I believe it was uh, this week's roundtable with George Will, and the guest was Reverend Sharpton. Let's take a listen to here. And if the feds won't come in and protect us, then we will come forward and protect ourselves. We, we have no other choice. We have, we, have, we have a right, Greta, to, to feel free in our state and, and, and to feel safe. And uh, with what's going on, we have many, many people that feel uh, that they are not safe. If you are a Hispanic American in Arizona, if you don't have your papers and you took your kid out to get ice cream, you're going to be harassed. That's something that could potentially happen. I, that's not the right way to go. And we're back with our roundtable, as always, George F. Will, the Reverend Al Sharpton from the National Action Network, the host of HBO's <coughs> Real Time with Bill Maher, Bill Maher, Matthew Dowd, former Bush advisor, and Katrina Vanden Heuvel of the nation. Reverend Sharpton, I want to start with you. You're going to be uh, participating and leading uh, a march and a rally and a vigil in Arizona uh, on Wednesday uh, to protest this immigration reform law. What do you think the citizens of Arizona should do with the fact that there is this big illegal immigration problem? Well, first of all, I think we need to have real immigration reform from a federal level. The federal government is uh, supposed to set immigration policy, and I think that all of our forces ought to really try to put the pressure there, which is something all of us advocated during the last two general elections. Uh, To try and now say that because that has not happened, and all of us agree it should, that we're now going to have state law and open the door to racial profiling is what we're objecting to and protesting on Wednesday and have said since the law was signed Friday before that. And this, unlike many of the critics of, of, of those of us that protest this, this is not about protecting illegal immigrants. This is about protecting legal citizens. If you are Hispanic or thought to be Hispanic, 
in the state of Arizona, you can be faced and subjected to harassment that other citizens should not. That's a violation of equal protection under the law. We would not tolerate that to people that look like George. If this was a law saying we're looking for people that look Canadian in the state of Vermont, that would be racial profiling. Citizens that are here that have, that have not uh, 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 broken any laws should not be subjected to anything different than any other citizens. It's not about illegal immigrants. It's about legal Latino citizens that should not be targeted, and this law does that. Matthew? Um, to me, Arizona is a sideshow, and it's symptomatic of a bigger problem. And I don't think this is about the Arizona law. This is about people in a state, and it's going on all over the country, that they see a federal government that's unwilling to enforce a law that's already on the books. There is an immigration law in the books. It is illegal to come into this country. Arizona, for years and years and years, including under the previous guest, Governor Napolitano, has asked the federal government to enforce the law, which they refuse to do in this in this context so it's not about a new law passed it's about a state says that we think the federal government should enforce the law they're not enforcing the law so we're going to enforce the law i don't think it's the right response i think we need the federal government to step up and actually perform an immigration policy but it's not about arizona that based on reasonable suspicion of the police they can go after someone which here we go people that are Latino since you're dealing with a problem with Mexicans coming across the board. The federal law does not say that, does not target that. We agree the federal laws should be looked at, reformed, and enforced, but to say that you're going to sacrifice the civil rights of Latinos and people of color because the federal government has not moved forward, I think is very irresponsible. George? Hey, the Arizona law does not say that there should be racial profiling. Let me tell you what the federal law... Well, why did they just reform it over the weekend, Let me George? tell you what the federal law says. Every alien 18 years of age and older shall at all times carry with him and have in his personal possession in, in a certificate of alien registration or alien registration receipt card issued to him. That's been federal law for 58 years. All that Arizona has done is saying we at the state level are going to reinforce the federal law. This is legal. In 2008, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the most liberal circuit court in this country, affirmed the constitutionality of an Arizona law that made it a state crime for employers to hire illegal immigrants. This is not bizarre behavior on Arizona's then part. The state law does not say. The state law says that a policeman, yeah. under reasonable suspicion, it, did not, it does not say that in the federal law, can go and make someone produce and, and document their citizenship. We it have, does not say what you just read. We have, we have. In all due respect, Mr. Will, that is not what that federal law says. And the, the recognition of that is the state of Arizona's legislature just refined right. what and they said over the weekend. They conceded uh, that we're we right have, and they had to refine it. 50 years of case law refining the concept of reasonable suspicion. This is not a blank slate. Mr. Reverend. Will, why is the law enforcement community in Arizona so deeply divided? I find that a, an interesting problem. Absolutely. You have police chiefs who believe that this will endanger the public safety and security of the state and its citizens. You also have, these are pragmatic, not moral reasons, even though this bill is state-sanctioned racial profiling, draconian, ugly, mean-spirited. But you have a $3 billion budget deficit in Arizona. This may well loot that state's treasury as they fight this bill. You're going to have economic boycotts, which you uh, disagree with, but you're going to have them, as you had them to push that state to respect Martin Luther King holiday. And finally, you have a situation where the crime rates in Arizona have declined over this last decade, and you have a border guard which has tripled. In, since 2004, the budget has increased money for security. I personally think the security piece is overstated. You want to ensure an orderly flow of people and goods, but you need a humane pathway to citizenship. Bill, what do you say to Arizona citizens who are, are, are frustrated with the federal government? The law is not being enforced. There is an influx of illegal immigrants. Some of them, obviously, not all of them, but some of them, uh, are involved in crimes, what, what are they supposed to do? Well, I would hope uh, the constitution of the country is a little more important to them. I know but that's what asking constitutional provision does this violate? Well, I mean, nobody's been able to articulate a scenario where the police are stopping people for any other reason than they look Mexican and poor. 
um, you know, it kind of reminds me of what, was it Potter Stewart on the Supreme Court said about pornography? I know it when I see it. That seems to be the standard the police are now using with, I, with immigration. I think what we call equal protection under the law. The law has the law has said to be to be fair to Governor Jan Brewer of, of Arizona. She she signed an executive order the same day that she signed the law that said that a person's race alone cannot be enough uh, to 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 be a reasonable reasonable suspicion. There needs to and be now more. And now she's than come that. back this weekend with something else. So. I'll Okay, see now, uh, once again, the, the fallacy in this discussion, as you see, is the foundation of the police cannot just walk up to somebody and say, let me see your ID. Well, let's go back a little uh, a little further here in reference to the discussion. You know, when I take a bus from Los Angeles, San Diego, the bus always stops about a mile outside of Diego, particularly when it's going from Diego, San Diego to Los Angeles, and Border Patrol guards get on the bus. This has been going on for the last three or four years, three, four, five years that I can remember when I've traveled from San Diego back to Los Angeles. Particularly when I'm seeing my uncle down there going to San Diego Comic Con. Every time I'm on that bus, border will get on the bus. If you want to go by appearances, 99% of the border patrol that get on the bus look Latino. And what happens is that maybe once or twice, one will ask you for my ID. He'll say, hello, how are you? I'll talk about it and say, hello, how are you? Show my ID. 95% of the time, 98% of the time, they walk right by me and they go right to the Latinos because they're speaking Spanish. And they'll speak Spanish to them. And oftentimes I've seen people take it off the bus. But when I travel, I always have my California ID. And if necessary, I have my permanent residence card because, yes, I'm an immigrant. And I've always made sure to carry my immigration, my permanent residence card. I have no problem carrying my permanent residence card. I'm afraid of losing it, but that's not a situation altogether. Now, I don't understand the problem when it comes to Arizona in this that the majority minority or ethnic group in Arizona is Latino. A majority of them that are there legally voted for the law. It's, it reminds me of the conversation we had about Darfur some time ago when people were talking about genocide happening in, in, uh, in Darfur and basically committed by the John Jaweed. Half the John Jaweed militia came from Darfur. So how is it considered to be genocide? I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. You explain it to me. I'm not saying my answers are right. I want your point of view. Okay? You know, we can learn from our discussion uh, back and forth here. Half the John Jaweed came from Darfur, and they made the John Jaweed in media to look like there were some light-skinned Arabs coming straight from Egypt, not thinking they're dark-skinned Egyptians also. So explain to me how... Arizona is being perceived as a racist state when the majority of the minority vote in support of the law. Explain that to me. You can chat with me. You can come to me live. You can call in if you like. Feel free. This is your forum, 646-595-2892. Now, I bring that up now. No one's complaining about checking ID at the airport when they're making you basically strip down, shoes, belt, jacket, everything else. They check everybody. Now, in this case, we're applying this back to Arizona because it's federal law that you need to be checked. Now, who checks you is another question altogether. They ask you that also, you know, men checking women and vice versa. But, again, Reverend Sharpton needs to, he needs to stay with preaching in church or civil rights. He's not a lawyer because if you read the law, it does not say you can, hey, you, you look Latino. Let me see your ID. No. I don't think any person would pass that law that I'm aware of. I mean, there's been some bizarre things like the guy in Atlanta who won the Democratic or the South Carolina? Who won the Democratic national? Who won the Democratic nomination? Even though uh, he had no job, didn't campaign, and uh, no one really knew who he was. Now let's go on to part two of this segment here, uh, as we continue our discussion. And I want to let you know that. Oh, before I forget, let me let me bring this little. Uh, I want you to hear what this guy has to say to uh, when he came to the United States. And before people think it's uh, immigration and just illegals and it's just Hispanics. There are Hispanics that are against illegal immigration, and I think their voices need to be heard, and their voices will be heard right now once we find our audio clip. Here we go. A growing number of Hispanic Americans tonight are strongly coming out against illegal alien amnesty and for strict enforcement of illegal immigration laws. They say illegal alien amnesty groups in no way speak for them. Casey Wine reports from Escondido, California. We are fed up, and we say no amnesty. 
Claudia Spencer is a legal immigrant from Mexico who's now a United States citizen. She's leading the newest chapter of the group, You Don't Speak For Me, which represents Latino Americans who favor border security and the enforcement of immigration laws. All these illegal aliens are saying that they represent, they are speaking for Hispanic people. Well, we are Hispanics that they don't speak for us. The group's national chairman is Albert Rodriguez, a World War II and Vietnam Army veteran. We cannot accept this invasion from the South as we have it now. Others attending the rally included the San Diego Minutemen and U.S. Congressman Brian Bilbray, who's also the son of a legal immigrant. Anyone who even insinuates that we're going to reward illegal immigration must understand that it is a personal insult to every legal immigrant who played by the rules and followed the laws. This is a personal assault on their integrity. Bill Bray is in a tight congressional race with Francine Busby, who infamously told a group of immigrants in June that you don't need papers for voting. You Don't Speak For Me chose Escondido for its rally because the city council here recently voted to penalize landlords who rent to illegal aliens. They now make up nearly 25% of Escondido's population. The ACLU Friday filed a lawsuit to block the new law. Quite simply, this ordinance is abundantly illegal and unconstitutional. And before I get more into that, I want to say it's also inhumane. MALDEF, the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund, supports the ACLU's lawsuit. It's one of the organizations these legal immigrants say don't speak for them. Casey Wyan, CNN, Escondido, California. Now, again, uh, this this comes up often, uh, immigration reform. We're going to hit it in the next, another segment, and we're definitely going to do a part two. I definitely should have for about 90 minutes or two hours, but we're definitely going to do a part two, maybe later on tonight, maybe tomorrow. This immigration reform and humane treatment and things like that, immigration reform that was passed some time ago, I believe, under the, the Bush administration, since they believe, I believe they championed this cause. I believe John McCain and Senator Kennedy was involved in this uh, campaign also. But it was the, the thing was pay taxes, learn the language, leave the country, and come back, get in line behind everybody else. And the guy made a comment there in reference to the slap of the face of all the legal immigrants, such as myself. What about all the legal immigrants, including the Latinos, Europeans, who worked hard, saved their money, spent money to do the exam, spent money to take the test. They did everything they were supposed to do. And what about them? What about the immigrants who are waiting in line in other countries? They have their, their visas worked out at the consulates in Uruguay or France or or Manila, or Melbourne, or whatever. What about those immigrants? And they have to turn on the news and hear people talking about they're going to do immigration reform so there's a legal way to uh, citizenship or humane way to citizenship. There is a pathway to citizenship. Leave the country, come back and apply to be a citizen, or come back on a resident visa. Like everybody else has to do. We have to do it. I have to do it. My family was here on that same visa, the same platform. What about those jumps, those people who are waiting, the Germans, what happens? Because what's happening is that if they're, they're already slowing down the granting of visas, what have you, and all these the bride, the bed, these people that can contribute to society, because the law, the federal law, the constitutional law says a person shall not be a burden on society, and we can discuss all this while they do the manual job that no one wants to do at another time. We'll do this in part two. But it says that they have to be able to contribute to society, not be a burden on society. And this is in the Constitution. And the constitutionality of the law, the constitutional law, now the constitutionality of the law, which Reverend Sharpton seems to forget and should know is that the law reference to being born and a naturalized citizen in the United States was a result of being enforced and being placed in law in the Constitution in relevance to the descendants of the slaves, the black Americans. It was addressed to them. It was made for them. It wasn't until a lawsuit took place some time ago, we'll bring that up in another, in another broadcast here, that that law was expanded to include other people. So if, we're going to, if Reverend Sharpton wants to talk about the law, he needs to know the law. I'm not saying anything against his march, his right to free speech, what have you, but he needs to speak what he needs to speak on what he knows. Now, let's you know, it seems like everybody has a conversation here, and I'm glad we have you know there are Latinos out there that are against um, illegal immigration. But I think it's kind of funny that President Calderon. Well, let me let you hear what he had to say when he came to speak uh, to. When he spoke at the House on his recent visit, when he was speaking, and the Democrats were applauding every word he was saying. However, I strongly disagree with the recently adopted law in Arizona. It is a law.
for love that not only ignores a reality that cannot be erased by decree, but also introduces a terrible idea using racial, racial profiling as a basis for law enforcement. And that is why I agree. I agree with President who said the new law carries a great amount of risk when core values that we all care about are breached. I don't want to deep the gap between the feelings and emotions between our countries and our peoples. I believe in bridges. I believe in communication. I believe in cooperation. Uh, we must find together a better way to face and fix this common problem. Um. Before I get my little feedback to that speech, here's the congressman, a congressman's response to President Calderon. Mr. DeFazio of Oregon. Mr. McClintock of California. The gentleman is recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise to take strong exception to the speech by the President of Mexico here in this chamber today. The Mexican government has made it very clear for many years that it holds American sovereignty in contempt, and President Calderon's behavior as a guest of the Congress today confirms and underscores this attitude. It is highly inappropriate for the President of Mexico to lecture Americans on American immigration law, just as it would be for Americans to lecture Mexico on its own laws. It is obvious that President Calderon does not understand the nature of America or the purpose of our immigration law. Unlike Mexico's immigration law, which is brutally exclusionary, the purpose of America's law is not to keep people out. It is to assure that as people come to the United States, they do so with the intention of becoming Americans and of raising their children as Americans. Unlike Mexico, our nation embraces legal immigration, and what makes that possible is assimilation. A century ago, President Teddy Roosevelt put it this way. He said, quote, In the first place, we should insist that if the immigrant who comes here in good faith becomes an American, simulates himself to us, he shall be treated on an exact equality with everyone else. For it is an outrage to discriminate against any such man because of creed or birthplace or origin. But this is predicated upon this person's becoming in every facet an American and nothing but an American. There can be no divided allegiance here. Any man who says he's an American but something else also isn't an American at all. We have room but for one flag, the American flag. We have room for but one language here, and that is the English language. And we have room for but one sole loyalty and that is a loyalty to the American people." End of quote. That's how we've created one great nation from all the nations of the world. The largest group of immigrants now comes from Mexico. A recent RAND study discovered that during the 20th century, while our immigration laws were actually enforced, assimilation worked, and it made possible the swift detainment of the American dream for millions of immigrants seeking to escape the conditions of Mexico. That is the broader meaning of our nation's motto, e pluribus unum, from many people, one people, the American people. But there's now an element in our political structure that seeks to undermine that concept of e pluribus unum. It seeks to hyphenate Americans, to develop linguistic divisions, to assign rights and preferences based on race and ethnicity, and to elevate devotion to foreign ideologies and traditions while at the same time denigrating American culture, American values, and American founding principles. In order to do so, they know that they have to stop the process of assimilation. And in order to do that, they have to undermine our immigration laws. It is an outrage that a foreign head of state would appear in and actively seek to do so. And it is a disgrace that he would be cheered on from the left wing of the White House and from many Democrats here in Congress. Arizona has not adopted a new immigration law. All it has done is to enforce existing law that this president refuses to enforce. 
It's hardly a radical policy to suggest that if an officer on a routine traffic stop encounters a driver with no driver's license, no passport, and who doesn't speak English, that maybe that individual might be here illegally. And to those who say we must reform our immigration laws, I reply we don't need to reform them, we need to enforce them. Just as every other government does, just as Mexico does. Above all, this is a debate of, by, and for the American people. If President Calderon wishes to participate in that debate, I invite him to obey our immigration laws, apply for citizenship, do what 600,000 legal immigrants to our nation are doing right now, learn our history and our customs, and become an American, and then he will have every right to participate in that debate. Until then, I would politely invite him to have the courtesy, while a guest of this Congress, to abide by the fundamental rules of diplomacy between civilized nations, not to meddle in each other's domestic debates. I yield back. Those are his words, and it's very interesting. I saw the reaction for some of my people in the room. Uh, this is what he has to say, but I think one of the things he touched upon and we can, uh, in reference to Mexico's uh, policy in this conversation is that Mexico's policy towards migrant workers in Central America is more brutal, is, is so brutal that I believe it was either Amnesty or Human Rights Watch just released a report a couple of weeks ago talking about how brutal it was, how those in Nicaragua, essentially, you know, from the Central America area, Nicaragua, uh, Honduras, El Salvador, when they get to Mexico, they're robbed, raped, murdered thrown in jail, kicked back to their own country, bribed. It's, it's ridiculous what they go through down there, and we've spoken about that for some time. And I know a lot of times when there are folks in the Mexican uh, government or what have you on CNN or what have you, and they're asked that question, they blow it off. But th th it's almost like let, don't let them do unto others. Don't let them do to us what we do unto others. That's what it sounds like. Because the law, and again, I'm not, this isn't my own personal point of view. It's not. This is a stated fact that Mexico's immigration policy towards other Latinos, specifically from Central America or those south of Mexico, of Mexico, are brutal, exploitive, and are crime, borderline crimes against humanity, if you want to talk about in reference to um, how brutal it is. And it's very interesting that President Calderon, who's actually in the middle of, of a battle with the, with the child of Mexico, which is, which is uh, death, death, uh, slandering the image of the country because there's so many beautiful people there, beautiful culture, what have you. The thing is that he benefits also the fact that, you know, the economic bridge he's talking about is Western Union because $21 billion spent in remittances through Western Union and money grants. So he has a financial stake in this. So, again, it's not going into his argument, which he is he's giving his, his, uh, his speech, but at the same time, it's almost like calling the kettle black in reference to, well, you know, we don't want you, you know, we'll make sure our citizens of Mexican descent are treated right in your country. But you know what, those little El Salvadorans and Nicaraguans and Hondurans and Belizeans that come to the country, we're going to treat them like dirt. We're going to rob them, rape and throw them in jail, and maybe we might talk about human rights when we're kicking them back out of the country. So let's not get it twisted. Now, brothers and sisters in the United States, let's not sit on the sideline and think like, well, this has nothing to do with you. Because let me let you hear what I believe was on uh, Tracy Maddow, is that her full name? Uh, interviewed Manuel Miranda some time ago, and I want you to listen carefully what he says at the end of this interview. Meanwhile, the right wing continues to press for a filibuster against Judge Sotomayor. Politico.com this week published a letter from conservative groups to Republican senators telling them to prepare to use the filibuster against Sotomayor. The funniest thing about this new filibuster push from the right is not just that the Republican Party in general spent the Bush era arguing against filibustering, even calling filibustering unconstitutional. The funniest thing here is that the guy who organized the please filibuster her letter used to be the center of the anti-filibuster movement. His name is Manuel Miranda. He is to the cause of filibustering Sotomayor's nomination to the Supreme Court, what Mark Foley was to the cause of cracking down on online sexual predators. That is, a walking tall glass of irony. Mr. Miranda worked on judicial nominations for then Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist when he was forced to resign in 2004 for helping to secretly download Democrats' computer files, which were then leaked to the media. Then Mr. Miranda went off on his own and founded the National Coalition to End Judicial Filibusters. 
And now he's not only supporting filibusters, he's leading the effort to advocate for one in this case. Ta-da! Mr. Miranda told the Plum Line's Greg Sargent he thinks Sotomayor will be confirmed and he doesn't expect her to be filibustered, but he also told, told Politico.com he thinks Senator Mitch McConnell is, and I quote, limp-wristed on judicial nominees and should consider resigning as minority leader if he can't take a tougher stance against Sotomayor. Also, here's Mr. Miranda's advice to conservatives on how to attack Sotomayor without alienating Latinos. Hispanic polls, Hispanic surveys indicate that Hispanics think just like everyone else. We're not like African Americans. And we think just like everybody else. We're not like African Americans. We're like everyone else. Because African Americans... And there you have it. The brains behind the conservative movement to stop Judge Sotomayor. We're not like African Americans. We think like everybody else. Uh, people, that is Manuel Miranda, and that was his state. So, uh, black folks, let's not think that all this has nothing to do with you, all right? And let's not make it seem like you shouldn't have an opinion on us also. And at the same time, my brothers and sisters in the Latino community, when it comes to the immigration, unless you, until you reach out to other immigrant communities, the Africans, the West Indians, the Asians, the Europeans, what have you, the movement is still going to remain to us against them. I don't know why people want to deny that. And people want to say it's the, the Arizona law is inhumane. But before I start talking about it's inhumane and it's, un, it's unrighteous and things like that, they, and, and saying, well, you know, I went to Europe or I went to Latin America or I went, no, no, no. When I walk into a Wells Fargo and want to open an account, they want two forms of ID. Actually, there was a friend of mine who went there on Friday, went to a Bank of America. They want two forms of ID. And I went to meet him. He looked really upset. And I was like, what's wrong? He said they maybe have to dig up two forms of ID, but that guy sitting over there had to show a matriculation card from the Mexican embassy, and they took that to open up a, open up a blank account. What was I supposed to say to him in that situation? And it's these little things that it's these little things that are building up to big things. There hasn't been a conversation. I've enjoyed the conversation I've had with Howard Simpson on the Man Mark in New York, where at least you know they'll say, okay, we can agree to disagree, which I've never really been a part of agreeing to disagree. We already know we disagree. But at least I felt that they were hearing my point of view. I'm speaking as someone who has, has always tried to follow the laws of this country. When Americans come to Congo, I expect them to follow the laws of that country. Sadly, too many foreigners are going there and are breaking our laws, but another country not together. But the Angolan way of dealing with immigration is getting, them, is getting the Congolese out of northern Angola by gunpoint. So let's just leave it at that. Again, people, where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on this? I mean, are you really looking back? Are you really talking? Are you really saying, you know, it doesn't affect you? Do you have an opinion? Do you feel that maybe you're not getting all the facts? Where are you getting your facts from? So, again, this all stems from the Arizona law. And as the gentleman said, unless the person, the police do not have a right to pull on the street. And it's very interesting that there's a report out now that uh, thousands of uh, illegal immigrants have been leaving Arizona. And not going back to their whole country. They're going to other parts of the United States. They call it internal migration. So a lot of because they're feeling there's a lot of the states going to be unfriendly. Now, Pennsylvania is thinking about doing the same thing. And just to let you know where that's coming from, here we go. Here's a clip on that. Bear with me. A Pennsylvania lawmaker looks to crack down on illegal immigrants in the state. Arizona's new immigration law allowing police to ask anyone to show proof of citizenship has sparked protests around the country. But that's not stopping Pennsylvania State Representative Daryl Metcalf of Butler County from introducing similar legislation. Seanette Wilson is live in South Philly getting reaction from the public on this one. Seanette, what are they saying? Yes, Chanel, some people feel that legislation like this singles out uh, some people of Hispanic descent, namely Mexicans, when there are other immigrants. And the other issue here is whether the way this legislation would be carried out is fair. Well, it's a lot of people complaining about it because um, it's unfair to people because um, they come here to work and they have to work hard. Jacqueline Lopez is filled with emotion and angst over the immigration law in Arizona, and even more so now that a Pennsylvania representative introduced similar legislation in Harrisburg Tuesday. Every people is like from different races, but we come from the same way. Like, like we, we people. Jasmine says there's a reason some immigrants come here illegally, and she doesn't think it should be an issue. But sometimes they take a lot of time. So. Um, 
to come here are like legal. So they just found the wrong way. Others disagree. They think the bill Republican Representative Daryl Metcalf introduced is the way to go. It would give all Pennsylvania law enforcement full authority to apprehend illegal immigrants and create other enforcement tools. No, I think it's protective. I think it's protecting the United States, stopping the immigrants from coming in. Every, everybody wants to be the illegal, uh, legal citizens. That's what we want here. Anyway, we don't want our jobs being taken by illegal immigrants, the money being sent back elsewhere. Others have concerns about racial profiling with this kind of immigration law, and they feel it'll be detrimental to the economy in the long run. I don't think it'll be good for the city. I mean, if you look what happened up near Hazleton, or was that New Jersey? I can't remember. No, it was in New Jersey. Yeah, they tried to... Yeah, there was a lot of Brazilians. Everybody wants to say it's all Mexican, but I do believe they were all Brazilian, and they fought the big law, and the town became a ghost town. They shut it down, and uh, nobody's there anymore. <laughs> Does it bother you that people aren't here illegally? Uh, not really. And back here live again, this bill just introduced in Harrisburg today, and we're already hearing that there are rallies and protests planned to take place in Philadelphia this Thursday. Of course, as soon as we get more information, we will pass it along to you. Reporting live in South Philadelphia, I'm Shana Wilson for Fox 29 News. People, where's the debate? Where's the conversation? What's the point? Again, what did the lady say? She said, she doesn't see anything wrong because it takes so long to come to, come to the United States. So, you know, they just come uh, illegally. Uh, come on now. Be real. Let's not justify it. And people want to talk about, oh, they've been here, you know, they've both been here for 10 years. No, no, no. It's a slap in the face. I mean, better yet, let me, have, let me hear that you hear what I, we, there was a conversation between illegals and legals on a TV show uh, some time ago. Let me let you hear what they have to say. It's a very brief clip in our remaining eight minutes here. All right, here we go. It's very brief, about 45 seconds. You can pay them less money. You don't obey HR laws, nothing. Those people also go under the radar when it comes to taking advantage of social services. And in all honesty, at the end of the day, someone who has no vested interest is a nuisance. And when someone is a nuisance, they don't benefit society as a whole. Let me go to George in the middle of the second row, and then we have to take I mean, a break. I, I think it's really simple. Illegal, as you mentioned right in the beginning, versus legal. I think everybody here, including myself, uh, for immigration, but legal immigration. Okay. If you're going to break that law, are you going to break every other law? We're a country of laws. That's why we are such a great country. Okay, so let me, let me, um, I'm going to take a break, and then we're going to start there, because I, I want to go over this, because I think this is... The gentleman who talked about uh, the country of laws, he was asked, he, yeah, again, the gentleman who spoke about the country of laws, he's a Polish immigrant, and he came here uh, in the segment early, talking about how he came here legally. Now, it's not just politicians and TV shows, even celebrities, or quote-unquote celebrities, I hate calling them celebrities because they're people just like us. Uh, even Shakira, the Colombian, has something to say about this. Bing! You're going to go meet with the mayor of Phoenix uh, to help campaign against a new Arizona law cracking down on illegal immigration. It's been all over the news. Uh, tell me why you're so passionate about how this came about. Well, because, you know, as a Latina, I'm very concerned about how this law can impact uh, working Hispanic families. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think that, you know, being detained in, in the street just because of the color of your skin is, is just wrong, and, and, uh, and it's a violation of human and civil rights. And uh, so I'm going to go uh, see the mayor, who is also opposing this law. He's, he's also filing a lawsuit against this law. And also I'm going to be meeting with the chief of police um, to see how they're planning to implement a law like this one uh, in spite of it being um, a, a violation to, to civil rights. So, so it, it, let's, if we are sitting in the room with the chief of police, with Ryan what will you say to the chief? Well, I would, I would ask him that question. Um, if, if they're really willing to, to enforce the law, even though they know that um, it's going to crush the dreams of so many immigrants um, who, who, who would like to have a shot at, at the American dream, like so many mi minorities in this country have in the past. You know? We all know how America has been forged by, by, by the dreams of those people and, and, and by their passion and by uh, their contribution um, to, to the economy by working really hard. And that's what Latino what Latinos do in this country is work, work tirelessly, you know, and we are definitely that, 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 that arm that, that, that works uh, without risk and, and that, 
and that continues to to dream uh, for their children to have a better future. And I think that uh, that we should all, we should all consider that if we're going to go ahead with this. I mean, I, I I really hope that that this could turn into a positive thing, and and uh, the federal government uh, ends up addressing this issue. You know, the issue of the, the migratory reform. So so all those people can be legalized. I mean, people are people with or without documents. And I am not an expert on the, on the Constitution, but I know that a Constitution exists to protect people who, 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 are being, um, who are being abused in some kind of way, you know, and to protect people with or without documents, because that's, that's the reality. I mean, human rights in front of everything and above anything. And, and when you saw this on the news, it personally, obviously, hit a... A, a, a spot with you because of your story, because of what you've been able to achieve and accomplish? Yeah, absolutely, because I'm a Latina too. Um, I, I wasn't born in this country, but I know what a great country this is, and it has been, like I said before, forged by, by so many immigrants that have arrived to this country and have made it the country it is today. And the country that it continued to, to be um, it depends greatly on, on, on creating union and not division. You know? And I think this yeah. law will create chaos and create division instead of progress and, and union and the capacity of people to continue to dream. Because you know how dreams um, are the engine of a society, a community in general. If, people, if, peop if people's dreams are crushed, then there's, there's no hope. You know? there, is no, there are no great economies with people with crushed dreams. That's, That's right. the truth. That's right. You know? And um, and I don't think it's fair, not with the community, not with the Latino community, and not with any person in the world. You know, if you think about it, all the the tragic and and dark chapters in the history of humanity, like the Holocaust or the Armenian genocide or the issues in Iran, that started out like this, from various from Small from laws and decrees that were that uh, that weren't considering people's rights and that were pushing people aside. And we can't allow that to happen to us in the 21st century, you know. Not to Latinos, not to Jewish people, not to black people, not to anybody. Anybody, nobody should be detained in the streets because of the color of their, of, of their skin. You and have a very important afternoon ahead of you. Oh, and yeah. I, I, you <laughs> speak from the heart when you talk about it. So good luck um, with that mission today. And, and Shakira, thank you so much as always thank for you, coming. Ryan. Always so great and enlightening to oh, hang out with you. Wow. <laughs> I say the same. We'll be back. How about you? <laughs> yeah, if she doesn't know the Constitution, she better study the Constitution before she sounds like a constitutional lawyer because she has no clue what she's talking about. And as we close off in this two minutes, this question, uh, she brought up the blacks. I'm wondering what solidarity and humane treatment and what have you, where was all this when the Haitians was being you know, laid down with a gun at the back of their head down there in Miami and sent back to Haiti? after risking life and limb to come on here on a boat versus the Cubans once they touch the sand, oh, well, you know, you can stick around and hang with us. Where is uh, the, the whole, the, 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 all this outcry from the Latino community or what have you against that human right injustice? We'll talk about that in my second show. People, thanks for tuning in. I'm gone. So I can catch you the binga. Talk to you later on. I'm out. Enjoy your Father's Day.